Welcome back to Behind the Scaffolding, a podcast where we talk to writing teachers about the hows and whys of what we do in the classroom. Coming to you from the University of Michigan, I'm Gina Brandolino. And I'm Angie Berkeley, and we're glad to have you back with us for our second episode. This time, we sat down with Josh Kupitz. Josh has a PhD in English literature from the University of Michigan and an MFA in poetry from Columbia University School of the Arts. He's one of our colleagues here at the U of M, where he teaches in the English department writing program, but he has also taught academic writing at CU Boulder, Dickinson College, and Penn State Altoona. For Josh, the writing classroom is a lab where students, and I'm quoting Josh here, practice separating signal from noise by asking hard questions about complex subjects, occasionally themselves. You know, it's interesting that Josh envisions his classroom as a lab because that context implies a hands-on, getting-your-hands-dirty role for students. So it's not surprising that Josh has thought a lot about student participation, that often really tough nut to crack. And he's come up with a really robust and sophisticated participation system for his students that has delivered some truly impressive results. Welcome to Behind the Scaffolding. It's wonderful to have you here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. So first of all, I'd like to start off by telling you what my favorite song is right now on Pandora and Spotify. Okay. And that is uh, Love Like Ghosts by Lord Huron. So the reason I'm telling you this is because I read your syllabus and I found the Easter egg. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) And I did not find the Easter egg. But Angie was like, "Didn't didn't you read the syllabus? You have to prepare. So, But I read the parts that you told me to. I did the assigned reading. Yeah, well, the uh, it's the first low stakes uh, way to get students to value the complete and active reading of a document, <laughs> right? Uh, when I do that on, on day two and I come in and I always say, so how many of you did the homework, which is reading the whole syllabus? And everyone always puts up their hands. And then I say, that's great. Now, how many of you are really interested in extra credit? And then everyone puts up their hands. And then I draw it as a sort of Venn diagram of what they tell me on the board. And then I say, what the real Venn diagram looks like is this. Uh, Because like four people or five people will have done that. Uh, And then that's a sort of sort of way into saying, okay, you know, that's that's the kind of expectation to do this reading. And they don't really get burnt by it. But, uh, you know. Yeah. So is that a one-time only That's extra it. credit? Like they can't go back and do it that no. day. Yeah, it's nope. got to happen in between those two sessions. That's it. And then uh, and then I do put together a kind of uh, like a Spotify playlist for it, and then I'll share it out to you know our, our semester jams for the. I don't know whether students actually listen to it or not, but it's always an education for me. Lots of stuff I kind of haven't heard of. Uh, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's great. (laughs) It's very awesome. That's really cool. Well, so we have you here today. Your your syllabus in general, I just want to note, is amazing. But we have you here today uh, particularly because you have this really great participation schema. I don't know that it's a very it's you know it's it's high end right and I don't exactly schema <laughs> seems the right word um, and I wonder just uh, as we get started if you could just give us an overview of of how participation works in your in your class sure um, and it's it's important that we're calling it participation right because mm-hmm. I think most of us who've kind of gone through uh, academia students ourselves right are always aware of the kind of attendance and participation kind of abstract bucket uh, on a syllabus where you think you kind of know what you're supposed to do, but really it amounts to kind of sort of showing up, 
uh, or then sometimes in worst case scenarios is a kind of measure of just the instructor's kind of perception of how engaged you are in some way. And that doesn't always kind of match for good or ill, right, what the student's actual participation really is. And, and I felt like I was kind of in a rut, continuing to just count showing up, you know. And, and as I say in the syllabus, like there are lots of things in life where just showing up is really important. Mm -hmm. But just showing up isn't a proven method for becoming a better academic writer or reader or editor, right? So I wanted to do something that incentivized the kinds of skills uh, and activities that are typically associated with higher successful outcomes for, for our students. And so I wanted to rethink um, participation and value that more than attendance. Um, and there are some other people who were kind of interested in, uh, in that at the same time, and I had some conversations. So a lot of the thinking from this schema originally came from uh, Mickey Fastland. I don't know if oh, you're yeah, familiar. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, credit where credit is due because, you know, she... Uh, is the one who first turned me on to this idea of like the participation achievements and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's kind of grown from there. So, you know, I wanted to credit Mickey for that. Yeah. You know. uh -huh. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. How long have you been using this schema? Well, this is really only its third semester of use. Well, that's mm -hmm. not entirely true because I taught summer uh, in 2018 mm -hmm. as well. So fourth semester. Mm -hmm. um, and what I will say uh, just up front about it is that it's been remarkably successful in generating a lot of participation. And, and so what I, what I do is I break participation into three different kind of categories. The first is daily active participation, which takes a lot of different forms depending on what the student is most comfortable with. I mean, mm -hmm. for most students, it's daily discussion and engagement answering questions in class that shows that they've done the reading, right? But for students for whom that's not as viable uh, a participation strategy, you can do other things like uh, weekly blog posts or, or something like that. And then there's a um, there's a, an office hours component um, in which students get a lot of credit for not coming to office hours, but if they come once, they get a little bit more, and if they come twice over the course of the semester, they get full credit for that. And then um, the third component is uh, what I call participation achievement opportunities. Uh, I want a better heading for that, but it's an a la carte menu of the kinds of things that lots of successful students do, things like going to the writing center with a paper or conducting an outside peer review session that they document, um, or attending an event on campus that's related to our uh, our thematic interests or something that's related to writing and then documenting that too. So so I try to model all kinds of stuff that, that I want them to take into other courses as well uh, that really are transferable skills and practices that um, that matter. And, and so one of the things that, I mean, I haven't measured it, right, but I could because I have all the sheets, uh, attendance sheets since... Uh, I've been doing this, but but participation in class, you know, I don't know about other instructors uh, or professors, but but um, sometimes participation on any given day can be around like 50, 60 percent of students, something like that. Maybe that sounds low to you, or maybe, but for me, it was usually kind of like right around 65 ish percent. And 
uh, it's almost 100% every day wow. now. Um, it's really been remarkable, to be honest. And that, was, that was one of my questions, actually, was how does having this whole schema in place affect what we all, I think, think of as conventional participation, right? Like the yeah. in-class discussion. So what's your theory behind that? Like, why do you think it, it has changed that classroom dynamic so much? Well, I mean, we have... University of Michigan is the only test case for this, as far as I know, right? (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, if it's just something as simple as, like, the kind of carrot on the stick for students to kind of know that what they say matters, uh, you know, or is, is, or on the most sort of basic level is productive grade-wise for them, I think that helps some of them. Uh, I also think when they know that they're all in the same situation in terms of participation, uh-huh. that it gives them permission to participate in ways that um, they might feel uh, less comfortable otherwise, right? Um, I mean, one of the things that I talk about at the very beginning is of, of the class, all my classes, is that we want to be right about 80% of the time, right. you know, and like wrong maybe 20% of the time, that that's okay. Yeah. Um, and so kind of giving them that permission and, and incentivizing uh, their daily participation in an active way in class or an active way through blog posting and commenting or something for those who aren't that interested or, or you know, for, for whom it's not a, a good option. Um, it's just really thrown the switch, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a great dynamic in class. Then, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone participates. Now, That's great. right now, you are teaching two twenty five. Yes. Have you used this approach to participation in other courses, or is it yeah. always okay? Yeah. So, uh, so at University of Michigan, I've used it in English one twenty four, which is uh, academic writing and literature. Sure. Um, and so that's a f- generally a first year lower level writing course that mm-hmm. uh, that has generally first year students in it. Um, and so that's a good. I, I modeled it in that course because I thought, as most people who teach one twenty four, one twenty five, or your intro writing course at whatever university you might work at if you're listening to this, right? Um, you're teaching a lot of skills about how to be a good student at the university, right? right? And so it seemed like a really good fit for that. Mm-hmm. So I did it there. Uh, I've also taught, used it in uh, English 317 and 318, which are sort of genre courses. I taught it in a course on American literary realism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I taught it uh, in a course on uh, contemporary American poetry from the margins just last term. Mm-hmm. I've taught it in English 325, which is the art of the essay, and now mm-hmm. uh, in 225, which is academic argumentation. Mm-hmm. So That's a wide range of classes. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty flexible yeah. so system, you know, um, and you just have to kind of tailor. I mean, some of the things are just, you know, turnkey stuff you can pull off the shelf. So the amount of participation on a daily basis is pretty consistent, right? Uh, The number of trips to office hours is pretty consistent. You just kind of have to massage the participation achievements a little bit to make them fit the goals of the course. Mm -hmm. And that's not particularly difficult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the benefits of doing this at a place like Michigan or other large universities is that there's so many events on right, campus right, that, yeah. you know, there's kind of a wide range of those those things to do. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Before we 
sort of dig deep in, I, I just want to ask one more sort of setting the stage question. Yeah. I see on this, the syllabus that I have now for 225, it looks like participation and attendance together makes a 20% of yeah. the, the grade. And I mean, so it's not like this, th this is a pretty sophisticated system and it's not like, you know, so it's half of your grade, right? It's still just a, just a little, I mean, a significant fragment. Right. But is that pretty standard across all the courses? That that, you, yeah, that's what I've done because obviously I wait there. Um, so in, in English 225, I obviously wait the three papers that they're, writing pretty substantively mm -hmm. also their workshopping which is a separate kind of thing mm -hmm. gets gets weighted pretty heavily too so in terms of the thematic and practical goals of this particular course those always or whatever course it takes the the, the bulk of the, the scoring but um but yeah so you know um it is about 20 percent in the in the ways that i've sort of done it and in the way that it works just to, to clarify is that, you know, let's say a student doesn't participate kind of at all in class and doesn't say anything. It's not like they zero out the five points that go toward in cl class participation, right? They get some points, right. Uh -huh. right? Or if they don't come to office hours at all, they get three out of five points. So they're not sort of striking out completely by not doing these things, but mm -hmm. those points, when you have a 100-point scale for the semester, are often the the thresholds from like an A minus to an A or mm -hmm. a B mm -hmm. plus to an A minus or something and and the students here are relatively GPA motivated yes. you know mm -hmm. uh, as well as conscientious mm -hmm. and uh, and so they don't want to let those points on the table right you know and right. so they you know especially because it doesn't require tremendous amounts of effort to do them right right mm -hmm. I think I have one more logistical question yeah. too. So do you, when, when you're in class, yeah. are you actually tracking how many times they participate? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it was really hard at first. Um, I it. It's, it uh, was confusing for me at first, and right. it was halting. Um, but what I ended up doing was designing a, an attendance sheet that lets me track the uh, but both their presence in class and also the first two times they participate per day. I see. Um, That's what the matrix is. Right? Yeah. Okay. And if okay. they put this online. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This that is the sheet we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. And mm -hmm. uh, and so then, you know, if they have to participate to get max credit per week, like three times per week, this semester is kind of what it is. Then, if I hit their three times, I kind of can stop. Right. You mm -hmm. know. I see. Um, tallying them like someone today like in a class where every single person participated someone today like participated three or four times so you know I just stopped counting theirs right right and that gives them some room to have an off day oh absolutely in one yeah. particular week yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 I did that once for um 125 for full class workshops I tracked their participation and told them they had to participate twice to get yeah full credit for it and how'd that work it, it worked well. I yeah. mean, I had a lot more people participating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, tracking, it's a real challenge, yeah. you know. I mean, because also, but they but they see you doing it, mm -hmm. too. So I don't know if you're, maybe you're so good at it now, they don't, it's invisible. No, it's visible. It's visible, you know, yeah, but I mean, I think that's, that's part of it, too, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm up and moving around in the classroom, mm -hmm. so when someone new is talking, you know, I drift back to the desk and 
Lick your pen. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it on the document projector up on the board. <laughs> right. No. Uh, yeah. So so they do see it, but they it's. It, yeah. uh, I mean, it was really obtrusive when I first started doing it because right. I, I was completely confused by my own process. Yes. Uh, but you know, four semesters in now, it's it it's working pretty well. Yeah. Man, I yeah. bet you know all their names almost immediately because of I do. This. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's another thing that I do too on, on sort of day one. I mean, first of all, I think I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm pretty good at remembering their names to begin with. Mm-hmm. But we do a whole bunch of uh, asking each other's names. So I'm always like, okay, and who are you again? What's your name? And what, you know, mm-hmm. and they make them talk to each other a lot. And so I had, I mean, by the second day of class, I had them down this mm-hmm. semester, you mm-hmm. know, because yeah, they're just, right. you know, I'm like, I need to know that you're participating, so what's your name again? You know, so right, it's good. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I feel like that at a very basic level, I think you mentioned this before, just shows how much it matters what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know who you are. I know who you are. And yeah. I'm interested in what you're saying. Yeah. And you're saying it. And it seems really self-evident, but it didn't to me uh, at first, uh, but it was a tweet that I had read from academic Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. a few months ago. Uh, one of the things that I always tried to do was show my students that I was invested in knowing who they were, like before they ever got there. So I would be like, oh, and who's whoever thinking, and I'd call their names. But now I make sure that they tell me their names in the beginning so that they don't uh-huh. go through the experience of me messing it up, mm-hmm. you uh-huh. know, uh-huh. Uh, and sort of doing that for them and, and kind of not putting that through. So it's just another small little thing in terms yeah. of like learning their names, which right. is yeah. really good. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, should we get into the nitty gritty? Let's get into All the right. nitty gritty. So um, I'm, I, I have so many... I have so many questions about how this works, but I want to start with in-class participation because, frankly, this is the part that corresponds most to what I'm doing, so I'm, I'm interested to ask you a few things about this policy. So th- this is five, five points, right? So 5% of their grade. Um, and, you, and what you say on your syllabus is that students should come to class prepared, having read the text completely and completed all assignments, and then engage in daily active classroom activities. And that's what you've just been talking about now, right? That mm-hmm. that classroom participation. But I notice that the at the end of this section of your syllabus you say, if you'd like to discuss this expectation, please contact me as soon as possible so we can develop a strategy that maximizes your participation. And I imagine that you're talking there to the student who's scared. Right. Well, yeah. So the student who's scared, or the sco- uh, the student who has an impairment or disability, right? That, or an anxiety. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That that makes that kind of participation more of a burden than mm-hmm. than an opportunity for demonstrating mastery or expertise in the subject matter. Right. Mm-hmm. So. My I mean, my syllabus uh, after the sort of first page, which says the kind of overview and that sort of thing launches right into the accessibility piece which is about a page long anyway mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so so that's super important to me as someone who is trained in disability theory and pra- tries to practice disability mm-hmm. pedagogy as much as I can in the classroom uh, so yeah so the norm right in US classrooms is raise your hand and participate right, right. and so I still do that a lot, um, uh, but for some of our students, that's just not a thing that's going to work for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if it's a thing that is uh, going to be semester long or significant or whatever, then then you know I encourage them to come talk to me and we figure out something else mm-hmm. that that shows me that they're participating, that gives them a chance to. Mm-hmm. 
demonstrate their grasp of the subject matter in ways that are more accessible to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's really an access it's clause. Okay. You know, I mean, which which is about being scared too, right? You know? Sure, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, right. this is interesting because it, that's not the first way I read it, to be honest yeah. with you. The first way I read it was that, like, I deal with a lot of students who are anxious to sure. talk in class. And this um, this seems like a, a way to sort of help them come out of their shell. But I, I feel like you're talking about something a lot different with students who have, like, an impairment or a disability that makes it different for them in in sort of uh, measurable ways. So the way I see it is that there are a lot of reasons why students don't participate, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and one of those things might be, in general, just anxiety or um, lack of self-confidence mm-hmm. in their abilities, and that can come from any number of mm-hmm. places, right? Uh, there are also students who... Uh, can't participate in that particular way, um, even if they would want to, and others that could, but it causes a kind of social uh, response that that they're not okay with and mm-hmm. that, that isn't beneficial to them. So to me, it's uh, they're, they're not interchangeable, but on a pragmatic level, they, the problems look similar. Right, to, we can sort of fix it. I'm not interested in kind of um, can, taking a student and saying, don't be scared anymore, but therefore participate all the time in this particular normative way, right? That's, I don't see that as my job, mm-hmm. right? My job is to make that student comfortable learning the material, right? Mm-hmm. And mastering that material. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it is for students who are just like, yeah, it's not my thing. Um, and students who are like, that isn't my thing for other reasons, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I do do a lot of things in class that kind of prep and prime students who are just maybe a little hesitant mm-hmm. uh, about participation. So, you know, this semester I'm doing way more uh, in-class, I think, pair-share stuff than mm-hmm. I typically have done or one-minute papers and then discuss it with the person next to you quickly and then participate too as a way of giving students who might be a little Mm -hmm. self-conscious about their participation um, an opportunity to kind of test run it in a small audience and then bring it forward to the whole group right so so um, those kind of work together I think yeah yeah but yeah, I mean, it, it seems daunting to students. I'll be honest, the, the oh, participate three times per week or something, because a lot of students, um, well, I mean, they may be in a class here with hundreds of other people, right, and they are never expected to participate, right, right. And that sort of thing. So it can feel like a, a big burden, and I try to kind of take the the nervousness out of it as much as possible. Yeah. And do you feel like some of these other options that you give them, like the PAs and the office hours, do students who, for whatever reason, feel comfortable or able to participate in the traditional way, does it push them more towards those well, opportunities? The, or Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question, but it's important to, to keep in mind that, that those are sort of three different buckets, right? Right. So if they do more participation achievement opportunities, that doesn't fill up another bucket, oh, right? Okay, okay. So you can't do 15 points of PAs and then get credit across uh, all the I others, okay, right? Okay. Um, 
But having said that, there are students who have a natural affinity to going to stuff, you know, right. and they love doing that. Or students who, I mean, I had a student last term who uh, had honestly sat in on, uh, I think, four outside peer review sessions for a different paper, four different groups within one class, oh, right? Because he was just so into it and was a super hard worker and doing really good work. He's, he basically did extra workshops for everybody in class wow, outside. Amazing. And I was like, okay, you know, that needs to kind of count. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, because right. it was so, I mean, he didn't do it with the expectation that it would, but it was just such a, an awesome yeah. commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he worked so hard on it that mm-hmm. it didn't seem like a fair thing to not recognize that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Gina, I don't know about you, but at this moment in the conversation, I was already on board. I was impressed with the schema and thinking, man, I want to do this. I want all of my students to participate 100%. Yes, totally. I agree. But I know we both felt like we needed more information on these participation achievement opportunities, these PAOs, which felt like the most novel part of his schema. So we asked Josh to break it down for us. So the third category of uh, participation uh, activities that students can do, I call participation achievement opportunities. And it's uh, an a la carte list of lots of different activities that typically are associated with successful outcomes in, in this particular case, writing classes. So they can be things like uh, setting up and coming to a midterm meeting with me thinking about a final paper. Mm-hmm. And you can get a point for doing that, right? Uh, or you can make an appointment with, the Sweetland Writing Center here at UMish, uh, and then they write up uh, a brief synopsis of what was discussed at that meeting, how they're going to put to use the information they got there. They're going to name the uh, consultant that they worked with, and then they post that, right? And they can get two points for that because it requires them to kind of like leave their rooms, right? right. Uh, <laughs> do something. Uh, they can schedule peer review sessions outside of class and they snap a selfie of that, write about what they covered there, post that, they get two points for that. Or they can come to me with an idea for uh, a participation activity. And if it's a really good one and they write it up well, they get a point for that too. So they can say, hey, here's this other cool thing that we could do and let's add it. Um, But then there are also events that they can attend. So it just so happens that this semester I decided to thematize my 225 around issues concerning social media, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and there are a bunch of things going on at U of M regarding digital life in general. So there are exhibits at UMA, the uh, University of Michigan Museum of Art, right, that are dealing with digital art, uh, a couple of different ones. Uh, there's also uh, a year-long Michigan meetings uh, going on that's about digital life objects, environments, and power, and there's an event in March that the students can go to for that. But I also have an option for them to like recommend an event, you know, mm-hmm. something that's not on my radar that they think is related. I'll post it. Um, uh, and I've already had a student this semester, and, hey, hey, there's this really great event to post um, mm-hmm. that I have to put on the, uh, the schedule for other people to go to. Do you find that a lot of students go to the events? Depends on the events. Depends on the events. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So this semester, uh, students have already gone to uh, a Penny Stamps lecture mm-hmm. on digital art. I am going to bet that a number of them will go to a gallery walk and talk mm-hmm. at UMA uh, in another week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
Yeah, there's usually some stuff. You know, it depends on the subjects. When I was teaching the poetry course last term, mm -hmm. right, it was easy to have students go to, like, yeah. all the readings that are on right. campus, right? right. Uh, and, you know, so it, it depends. Yeah, yeah. I feel like what what I admire so much about the, the PA opportunities is that this is stuff, as you've said, that integrates them into the university community better, yeah. teaches them uh, about uh, resources that can help them all through their careers here. Um, and s frankly, stuff you would, you would hope they would find anyway, right? Yeah. Um, it, what's interesting to me is that I, I think there is value in making this a requirement. But the other side of that coin is that there would be people who would say, well, but making it a requirement sort of takes away from the opportunity for students to find these, these resources themselves or maybe makes them feel mm -hmm. too compelled. Uh, what yeah. would you say to people who have that, that reaction? Like, don't, don't make them do it. Let them find it on their own. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> By the so, way, I would never say right, that. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, on, on day one of English 225, I put a few statements up on the board and asked students to write about them, uh, whether they agree, disagree, and why, where they came about that, uh, that belief. And one of them was everyone is entitled to an opinion, uh, and no opinion is more correct than others, right? And wow. so, and this is a case in which everyone's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but in my experience, uh, students weren't going to find reference librarians on their own. Students weren't going to Sweetland. Students weren't doing these kinds of things, right? right. Uh, and now they are, you know? And maybe they were going to do it in another semester if they discovered it on their own. Maybe they weren't, right? Um, I mean, I think, I think in the writing classroom in specific, that's a place where, where even though it's not articulated often in terms of what the courses are designed to do, it's where we are expected to teach them how to be members of this university, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a valuable thing to teach them, right? Uh, you know, like I couldn't imagine them taking like an, a chemistry course and not having to learn about experiments or, you know, go into a chem lab or something like that. So why would they take a writing course and not have to go to you know one of these events or, or have the opportunity to increase their their semester grade by doing it right, right. so right. that's I mean part of it too right is, is that I do give them like that baseline credit for not doing it <laughs> right? right so but but if they if they choose to do it it's the kind of a in here you know I'll use a term that I don't you know the value added kind of activity yeah. for them right um so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I know I my own personal experience isn't scientific, right? But when I was an undergrad, I never went into the library. I thought I never had to, you know, uh, right? <laughs> I know. I mean, I, did, I just, right? I just was like, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to talk to a reference. I went to the library. I guess I never talked to a, a reference library. You didn't library. talk in the library. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. right? Um, because I was too cool for school, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Uh, I never went to the writing center because I knew how to write. You know, mm -hmm. all these sorts of uh, false assumptions. Well, it goes along with your office hours requirement, too. The, you know, sort of all of these um, sort of just just try it, you know, sort of just try it. Yeah. And it reminds me of I hated swimming lessons. I can't really uh -huh. swim. 
But I remember being at swimming lessons when I was a kid and having to do the bobs. You know, you start swimming lessons and they're like, all right, go underwater 30 times, up and down 30 times, right? And you would bob underwater. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. But it was a way to sort of, to get you, I don't know, emotionally prepared to be underwater. Um, And these sort of strike me as those kinds of exercises. And I'm with you. There's not another way to learn these things. Yeah including going to office hours, except yeah. trying them, Try right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I should say, I should say, too, um, this isn't something that's going to work for every instructor as well, but, but I try to make myself really available to schedule uh, individual conferences with students, too, who can't make my office hours so that that's not a barrier. Mm-hmm. And what I will do before... Um, all the major papers are due is I will schedule another block of office hours on a different day to try to make sure people can come in, you mm-hmm. know? So I do end up spending a decent amount of time doing individual conferences outside of regular office hour time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all right with mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I know that may not be the case for everybody, mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, I kind of feel like I can't ask the students to do this not make myself available in that right, way. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel pressure in other ways in office hours to make it worth the credit? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just sort of imagining a student coming in and being like, well, I'm here but I don't know what to do. Yeah, they generally don't do that. Okay. Right? I mean... <laughs> they come ready? Uh, well, they'll come in with a question, right? Good. So... Okay, yeah. That's yeah, ready, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I talk to them, you know, I have a blurb about what office hours are like in the syllabus too right Right. you know and I tell them that you know office hours aren't a kind of pay-per-view for missing class you can't come in and say I wasn't there what did I do or what did we do and stuff Um, you know I'm not going to reteach it to 66 students every Mm -hmm. week Um, but if they come in with a question right Mm -hmm. or 20 questions we can deal with that and that's sort of what I ask them to do And, and and so uh, but, I, you know, but I also am really frank with them and say, you know, part of office hours, too, instrumentally as a student is like just making sure that the instructor knows who you are. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that there's a value in that, too, when they're in their disciplines and they want to apply for something that's discipline specific. They need someone who's maybe not going to pick them out of a, you know, 200 person lecture hall. Right. Right. Uh, to just be like, yeah, you were the one who came in and talked to me about your interest in something else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is, that's, I'm okay with them coming in and just shooting the breeze with me for a few minutes. You Being know? interested. Yeah, right. the first week I had, you know, two students come in and because it actually, it helps me too because mm-hmm. then I can reference the kind of interpersonal stuff that we've done in their work later mm-hmm. on and kind of engage them a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes me a more responsive teacher for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've, the semester's pretty early so far. I've only maybe had four people come in. Mm-hmm. Two of them were like the first possible day. So they were clearly like, I'm going to get one of these out of the way. Right. <laughs> but I had really good conversations with them about what they're studying, what they're doing, where they're going, what their interests are just broadly so that, you know, in conversation in class now, I can draw on that and engage them more, and then they get more involved. Uh, and then I had a student come in yesterday who uh, was like, I don't really have a question about our class, but I have a question about another piece of writing that I'm working on. Oh, yeah, that's great. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, man, let's talk about it. Yeah. And I learned 
so much about him and uh, and what's motivating him as a writer through that other assignment and gave him some really good writing help, you know? And I said, you know, you should get over to Sweetland with it. He said, well, the first one's due in like 36 hours, you know? <laughs> and the next thing is due next week and I'm going to try to get to Sweetland for that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, I honestly don't mind that. Yeah, you know? that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So I have one more question um, that might be just me being crappy because um, you've talked and, and I was interested in this when I looked at your your point um, your, your point levels for participation um, so 15 points overall for participation in class participation five office hours five and then the the participa- participation achievements are worth five um, and you say you you have a, a section in your syllabus where you talk about just showing up mm-hmm. is not enough right but then you said that that you give three points for office hours even if they uh. never show up. And I just want to say, I'm like the kind of teacher, like I have on my syllabus, if you never participate in class, you will get a zero. I, I won't think differently of you. You're still okay with me, but participation comes with, you know, an expectation. So I guess I, given that students at Michigan are very GPA motivated, I just wonder what your thinking is behind that, because it seems like you could say, no, really, you have to show, and they would, right? So why why the, the extra points regardless of what they do? Well, um, I think part of my thinking was that there may be just scheduling compatibilities, mm-hmm. right? And there may be times that I just can't be available when they're available, right? And... And that seemed to be a burden, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that's not, um, you know, that's not a, a kind of, f- that's not anyone's fault. Nobody's fault. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I do feel like, I mean, it's an interesting question, right? But I do feel like three out of five, right, uh, is going to matter to someone uh, on their GPA. Right, oh, it for w- sure. it will, and uh, and so and so I think that um, it ends up being a D, right? That would be like a sixty percent. Yeah, right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it's a D. It's not an F, mm-hmm. right? But uh, but it's um, you know it ends up being significant often in terms of the final GPA and co- co- you know figuring out the whole thing, and so you know be- because I can't foresee how my schedule is going to overlap with every other student who's like, yeah, I'm in uh, orchestra and a performance major and I'm in 15 clubs and I'm whatever because Michigan encourages our students to be overextended and over-involved, right, in right. everything. Mm-hmm. And they're all incredibly stressed about it for the most part. Um, it's just a kind of safety net, you know, that if things don't work out through everyone's best efforts, you know, that's fine. And, uh, you know, and, and, it, and it generally works out so far uh, that the students who aren't really trying to maximize their learning, I should say, uh, <laughs> are ones who don't come in and, and hit those yeah. milestones anyway. But it's it's something worth looking at. I mean, an interesting side note is when I first implemented this, I got away with uh, or I did away with attendance entirely, and that was a complete mistake. Because then, with the safety net and not tracking attendance, I just had some students who just vanished, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. 
Uh, Did the PAs and... Yeah, yeah. you know, and they thought, well, if I'm taking this course, maybe pass-fail or something, I cannot be there. I cannot do half the participation stuff. And so I had one student in particular who continuously kept missing workshop days, you know, Mm -hmm. and that is just absolute... uh, chaos when that happens Mm -hmm. and it's so unfair to all the students who worked on that student's paper and you know that sort of thing so I pretty quickly snapped attendance right back in there yeah Uh, but again with attendance I've you know I'm pretty flexible yeah right right I noticed you have a policy in your syllabus about workshop day absences yeah Yeah. double right double double double. attendance yeah (laughs) if you miss if you miss one of those we'll have to bring them back to talk about that right right now but that is, I mean, that's sending the message, too, that them being there is really important yeah. to the whole community, to the yeah. whole group. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's really, uh, it's great to be able to talk about it. And thanks to, to Mickey for giving me some early thoughts about it a few years ago. And, um, and it's really been working well. I hope it's useful to other people, and I'm happy to talk to them about it, uh, you know, beyond this. Okay, great. We'll, we'll put some materials up with this uh, episode. All right. Thanks so much, Josh. Great. Thanks again. Yay. So that's it for this episode. Thanks to Josh for talking with us about his approach to participation. You can find some of the course documents he talked us through on the Behind the Scaffolding syllabus, which you can find on our SoundCloud site. Thanks also to Phil Cameron for his audio expertise and advice and general good cheer. To the Language Resource Center for loaning us the recording studio. To the CRLT Lecturers Professional Development Fund and most especially to you for listening. Look for a new episode next month.